Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Casey. I'm here with Noah. We're going to talk some e-commerce, some marketing, but first we got to hear from today's show sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Reconvert, a Shopify app that will instantly help you increase your average order value. So after somebody places an order, they pay now. My order's being processed. The number one way that we have found to increase average order value is the post-purchase one-click upsell, which looks just like this. After somebody buys, you make them another offer. And if they take it, it is instantly added to their order. Best way to increase AOV. That's true, John, but it's not perfect for every brand and every customer for every brand. So one of the other tools that not very many brands are taking advantage of right now is using this confirmation page as real estate to be pitching offers here as well. People are gonna be coming back to this page quite often, checking on the status for their orders. And it's a great place to be pitching them other products. It won't be a one-click upsell, but an upsell nonetheless, great place to get extra conversions. People might reconvert. <laughs> Uh, so head on over to reconvert.io to increase your average order value today. We're back. What's up? How's everybody doing today? Casey, my guy, how's it going? How you doing? How was your day? My day, you know, it's okay. Uh, spent some time with my dogs. Uh, always appreciate them. Uh, even though they drive me crazy about half the time. Spending yeah, that yeah. quality family time, I guess. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's nice. Uh, it's nice. We're actually uh, this is our second episode we're shooting today, so this is a. Uh, and well, fun... I was trying to way to break the fourth wall, but okay. <laughs> so sorry. No, I just thought it was. It's kind of. It's a fun thing. It's like a very mod compact day, and uh, how could you ask for a better day than that? A lot, a lot of mod com today. Uh, we are here with Noah, head of partnerships at Malomo. Noah. First, before we get into it, before we get into your background and stuff, tell me like, uh, tell me something you learned today. Did you learn something today? Ooh. It could be this week. Go with this week. I'm like, I'm not trying to learn something. Well, hey, geez. When Casey was saying how his day was and he mentioned the dogs, it made me think that I am uh, cat sitting for my buddy. So I'm going over there while he's out of town to feed it. And I learned that it's not just like certain cats that I'm allergic to, apparently, like my parents. It's mm -hmm. it's all cats. It's I'm, all cats. I'm allergic to all cats. Yeah. Todos los gatos. I need to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I need to just accept that fact and and move on from it. I think at this point because I have like rashes on my arms and I'm like feverishly, you know, itching all over the place. So um, probably not going to cat sit anymore. Um, but I do feel like I did a good deed, uh, and I learned something new. I so, mean, you oh. sacrificed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you totally. sacrificed for the for the cats. Uh, the cats. So, so are you allergic to like all pets, or do you have like a lot of allergies, or is it just like a cat? No, thing? that's a weird thing. Uh, I do, I do sometimes get like really bad seasonal allergies, but other other pets don't bother me at all. Gotcha. Um, and it's weird too, because like my parents, when I go over to my parents. Like 25% of the time, no issue whatsoever. But like the other 75% that makes it not going over there, makes it worth not going over there, is like absolutely awful. And I, there's no logic behind it. I have no, I don't even care to figure it out, to be honest with you. Um, you just, you know, don't go there. They can come over and visit me. That, I yeah. That anyway, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. Uh, I mean, I don't know while where y'all sit on this, like on the whole dogs versus cats thing, 
you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody here. But I'm just saying, like being allergic to cats, you're not missing much, man. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say we're all on team dog here. Uh, listen, just hearing Noah is allergic to cats. I, I think yeah. we all are now. By default. By default. default. Member of team yeah. dog. We're all allergic to cats in spirit, Noah. So don't worry yeah. about it. I mean, the cats aren't really supposed to be pets, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they don't really, like, care about you at all. You know? They don't love you back. They really don't. If you shrunk, that's what I would say about pet, like cats. If you shrunk down to, like, their size or smaller, they would not hesitate to eat you. They'd do it pretty quick, actually. Like, they mm. might not even have to be that hungry, actually. So, some cats even hunt you know, prey larger than themselves. You know, have you ever seen like four lions on the back of like an elephant, just kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, or a giraffe or something? Specifically pack cats like lions, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if house cats are packing up and like taking down deer or anything like that. That just shows <laughs> how wild. mean they are. They won't even pack up with themselves. Like nobody likes them, including themselves. <laughs> they don't so. even like each other. <laughs> well, if you were worried about offending anybody, congrats, you did that. Uh, uh, my cat's at four is definitely offended right now. <laughs> all, all the cat people are out. No, so here's the thing, though. Do you ever, like, meet someone and you find out that they're, like, a cat, like, they have, like, cats? And you're like, what? That happens to me all the time. I'm like, oh, you're a cat person? Like, I'm so surprised by this. You're surprised, yeah. Yeah, like, you seem so normal before. <laughs> So I, would have, I would have never known by a truckload by the truckload right now all the cat people <laughs> all the cat people are gone all right well that's good now that we got all the normal good we've alienated like half of our audience so <laughs> now we can move on with the episode uh, our first topic uh, is out of the way we had to address that <laughs> let's talk about noah uh noah man good to have you here uh excited to talk e-commerce in general uh retention marketing all of it but yeah give me give me your background give me like i don't know i'm trying i'm throwing it at you on the spot but give me yeah. like uh could you do like the you know like if they made a netflix documentary about you like give me the dramatic version of your background oh wow yeah so i was like you know an orphan even if you weren't an orphan just go ahead and say you were an orphan i can give you some uh, like really like like dramatic music if you want behind you <laughs> the scratches on my neck and arm are actually not from a cat they're from the street fight yeah right it's i mean you're not supposed to talk about fight club i think but that's all right you know <laughs> amazing no, give me your background um, i love it i love uh i love the fact that we're here we did very little prep we're we're moving on the fly <laughs> Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on that when you come on our, our podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Do you guys start off your episodes with the cat riff? Just like a nice improv so cat riff? We do start the podcast with uh, two or three things going on in your personal life. So kind of similar. So I like that. Huh. I like the opening. Nice, nice. Very cool. Yeah, we find it, it, it just you got to loosen up a little bit. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It gets to let yeah. the audience really know the person a little bit better. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. Nah, here um, you. yeah give me the back give me the background give me the give me the story then the story of noah the story of noah uh, i mean you noah not we not, already know the, yeah the other noah we already know that i story. honestly couldn't tell that story outside of the arc <laughs> thing so it's good that you're asking about me um okay so i uh i graduated from college in 2015. i went to ball state university small state school here in, a in ohio town called muncie indiana indiana uh, close, yeah close to ohio very close. no no it is indiana what, what year were you there actually before 
before Indiana passed, like for the longest time, Indiana was one of the only states that didn't sell booze on Sundays. So we would drive to Ohio, it's like 40 minutes away, uh, if you were going to have like a party on Sunday to stock up yeah. on stock up I, I i hoop i i play basketball with a guy who played at ball state and he was like good no kidding who is uh, it yeah Jawan scaife is, is his name I've, i'm just blasting his name out there you know who it is you know i i know the name for sure he's, he's uh, probably older than you i, I would bet yeah yeah did he grow yeah. up in muncie was he a muncie guy close yeah close by or i think yeah because yeah, he had other offers but yeah i at best he was scoring like 26 points a night i think his junior or senior year like he's a good he's a good player yeah the, like, and it's like name and... yeah it's it's noticeable when you play with him like oh you're like a good player <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i play basketball too i'm playing tomorrow morning and it's like so noticeable when there's like d1 athletes out there because it's just like yeah there's yeah there's no denying what this is right now. You, you shoot from way player. further than the rest yeah. of us, and you make them a lot more. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, ball start. Ball state. I keep derailing us. Ball state. No, you're good, uh, man. I love it. Uh, ball state went there for entrepreneurship. So as part of that, uh, as part of that major, the last two years, you're basically just building a business in like while being in school you obviously have like resources and you're learning classes uh or the classes that you're taking are all centered on things that you would need to know to start a business um like each different function of that and so uh senior year i partnered up with who eventually became my co-founder of the company we started out of school um that company was called safekeeping so the premise of safekeeping was if you if you guys had let's say a grandma in a nursing home you would download the app and get daily updates on her health and lifestyle oh. um so we uh we built that business like in school raised a little bit of money won some money through the university and then when we graduated we launched it um the interesting part and this will come full circle is neither of us are devs like we don't know anything about building technology so we had to go outsource that to a to a dev shop and we landed on a little dev shop called sticks and leaves uh it was based in fishers indiana which is a suburb of indianapolis um sticks and leaves co-founders and i'll get to this but the co-founders of sticks and leaves were also serving shopify brands uh yeah. and while they were serving those shopify brands they realized the problem that eventually became uh, what they're solving with malomo so I've known them since like, you know, 2015 and I just joined them a year ago to head partnerships for them um, after they are, you know, three years in or so to building the business that that is Malomo. Um, we can talk a lot more about that, but nice. And, and is Malomo, do you guys have like, is it bootstrapped? Do you guys have some backing? Yeah. So they, uh, they started the company, I guess it's been a little bit longer. I think they, they actually founded the company in 2018. So just taking a step back, I did safekeeping for like three years out of school. It's still running today. And like, um, I'm rooting very hard for those guys. Uh, they're, they're raising right now. Um, after that, I did some enterprise MarTech stuff all in partnerships and then, uh, like I said, joined about a year ago, the, the Malomo team. Um, yep. During that time, after I left safekeeping and they started Malomo, I think that was around 2018, um, they bootstrapped, uh, didn't raise, I think they've raised two rounds, but one was very small if I'm, if I'm 
thinking about this properly. Then they raised a, a large seed round, like a very large seed round. Uh, they probably could have been considered a Series A. Uh, that was back in 2020, late 2021, I want to say, when it was final. Um, it wasn't it wasn't so big that like we we're in trouble because of valuation, which is really nice. Like we kind of we kind of raised pre like valuations getting completely wacky and now valuations being like completely out of order for the for the mm -hmm. tech companies who raised at those super high yeah. multiples. Um, but runway is still really nice. And like as we uh, as we optimize like everybody else for scalable like profitability um we we have you know a, a nice runway to help us get there without having yeah. to you know go raise in a in this market which i think is very advantageous as well yeah so uh the, i mean the reason i asked is because uh you have a title head of partnerships yeah i've, I've only ever seen exist in backed companies um, <laughs> Okay, so and I don't mean that in any kind of offensive way, but I'm just saying it's like yeah. there's always a head of partnerships or a VP of partnerships in venture venture back enterprise software enterprise SaaS companies or B2B SaaS companies. And then like in bootstrap ones, there's never there's never a dude unless they're like pretty far along. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like they are... but, but so, so tell us about Milomo yeah. and tell us about the role of head of partnerships, what you do there. Yes. Okay. So Milomo is an order track uh order tracking uh, platform purpose built for shopify merchants so what that means is we solve the problem of the fact that the number one cause of customer support tickets in e-commerce are where is my order or how do i you know like my package is gone tell me where it is that but where's my order is kind of the blanket term um right. <clears throat> the problem that Malomo initially set out to solve was simply providing a more uh, efficient communication process to customers. Like I said, Yao and Anthony, the founders of Malomo, were working with a bunch of Shopify merchants at their agency uh, while also doing cool things like helping companies like us build our, build our app. And they sort of solved for this problem ad hoc a couple of times, like in weird roundabout ways. And then they realized like, holy shit, this is a problem for literally every single Shopify merchant and probably even broader, like every single e-commerce merchant. Cause frankly, Shopify has one of the best out of the box post-purchase experiences and it's yep. awful. <laughs> and, uh, and, and furthermore, I think Amazon has done this thing where like you get it so quick, you know yep. what I mean? And like, uh, and, and not always like for sure you, they, like sometimes there's a wait, but they usually tell you when it's going to be there, uh, when you order, or they do tell you when it's going to be there when you order. And it's like dead on the accuracy uh, of Amazon in terms of like when this product will be at your door right. is, I don't think it's ever been wrong. And I've ordered a lot of stuff from Amazon. Now I'm not like paying attention. I'm not like waiting, like, Oh, you got it wrong. Amazon. I'm not trying to gotcha Jeff <laughs> yeah, Bezos yeah. over here and then tweet at him. Cause I'm sure he'd retweet it. But, uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean that like, it's kind of spoiled people a little bit. And I think exactly a lot of pro a lot of merchants have this problem because like Amazon has spoiled, has, has spoiled shoppers, online shoppers in a sense. Uh, and like nobody else has the ability to do what they can do from a logistics and, and shipping standpoint. Right.
Exactly. Yeah. It's all about their network. Their communication is always super on point. If, if anything ever gets delayed, the other thing that they do is they notify you that, right. Hey, by the way, we said this was going to be two day shipping. Our, the package got caught in a storm in Arkansas. Like it's going to yep. be another two days with Shopify out of the box. That's a great example, John, of like, that's something they can't do at all. Like no Shopify merchant can do that with Shopify out of the box. If they wanted to do that without like, a Malomo type app, they would literally have to manually <laughs> identify that issue and then manually email customers. Right. Um, so that is the initial problem that we set out to solve. But over time, we realized that by leveraging um, much better and more proactive communication throughout the entire post-purchase journey, we can also turn that into a revenue driving channel. Right. So instead of when we send those proactive communications, sending you to UPS or FedEx, we're bringing you back to that brand site where not only are we showing you the most up-to-date information about where the package is and when it will arrive, but we're upselling you, cross-selling you. We're promoting our subscription program, our loyalty program, our UGC. Um, we might even just use that opportunity to do some product education so that you get the most value or bang for your buck out of that item that's going to be arriving at your door in a couple of days. So the nice thing about it is it lives natively within Shopify, like in the Shopify theme. Um, so you don't have to build it outside of Shopify and then um, kind of copy it or work it together into your existing system. Like it's already just living on your Shopify theme uh, in a new page. And so every other app that you're utilizing, like a rebuy, for example, for product recommendations, you can throw on your order tracking page without having to do any sort of custom integrations or anything like that. So um, that's high level what we're doing. We're solving for those uh, customer support tickets and the support team being super bogged down by those. And then on top of that, we're driving LTV through a transactional channel that's traditionally just been a cost center. Right. Um... So I guess, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you see. So, so you guys sit across how many, I mean, I guess you don't have to tell me yeah. how many, how many, but like ballpark, how many merchants, uh, you know, at the moment, there's some big ones I see at least like on your website, um, like Magic Spoon and uh, yeah, Caraway, you know, some, some really big ones. I'm guessing you guys sit across a, a lot of merchants. Um, what do you see as a generalized trend in e-commerce right now? You know, whether you want to like tie it into retention marketing, post-purchase experience, or just what you're seeing across all of these retailers, large and small that, that you're working with. Yeah. So um, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is a stat that I've quoted a couple of times now on, uh, on webinars and whatnot. But um, when we were putting together a vision deck for, for the year, but, Yao and I, our CEO, were working on this and came across this stat that said that in 2013, the average e-commerce brand lost $9 for every new customer that they acquired. So to make that customer profitable, you had to, you had to sell them more stuff. Retention was super important even then. Today in 2023, that number's risen to $29. So the average e-commerce brand is losing $29 per customer on it per customer, per new customer that they acquire. Sorry. Right. Meaning that if you don't have a plan to keep that customer, like it's not, 
it's not like, oh, you just like maybe lost a little bit of money on acquisition. Like you're going out of business. So if you don't have a plan to keep customers coming back, like there's, it's not just like that there's no point in acquiring them. It's that you're actually like hurting your business in potentially like a catastrophic way by not having a, a retention plan in place. Um, tying that a little bit back to Maloma, but there's a ton of other stuff we can talk about this on this on this topic. Like 85% of customers won't return to a brand after one bad shipping experience. So if you haven't figured out how to better communicate with customers post-purchase, you're probably leaking from that bucket that's costing you $29 per customer that you just acquired. Um, there's a lot of other things that obviously go into keeping customers and growing them. Um, but that's obviously super top of mind for us. The other interesting thing about that 10, 10 year time period where customer acquisition costs has risen so much is that cut the, the money that's made from repeat customers has gone up 30%. Mm -hmm. So customer acquisition costs, three X growth, um, customer retention rates, uh, for our customer, um, value from repeat purchases has grown 30% during that same time period. So yeah. I just think there's this general theme of like, everybody wants to grow profitably. I said it about Malomo a couple seconds ago, uh, it, just as important, if not more for D2C brands. Um, you just can't do that in this day and age if you don't have a, a plan to keep those customers that you're spending so much to acquire. An average of 29 is interesting. I'd be really interested in what like the the sample data was on that, you know, because because I think of a lot of brands that even with a great post-purchase experience just won't ever practically make up that much money in, in lost acquisition cost. Um, you know, a great example would be, and, and they're not a D2C brand, but something like, I don't know, Yeti might like, a you know, some of the podcast equipment that I use. Uh, sure microphone or something like I, once i buy it like i don't need another one you know like i bought it um there's not gonna be a ton of ltv there uh so yeah i mean it, it is interesting i think there's a lot of brands like that too you know um i've worked with uh like home fitness equipment or just things like that where it's just there's not really a lot of ltv once they buy the thing um they they really kind of like that's it right um and even even other stuff like you know i i work with this brand that sells these wallets and these are i call these out all the time on the podcast because they're a super cool brand number one um and number two they're a great example of a brand that there is a potential for ltv they have other products right they have bags they have uh like purses they have all kinds of things um but there's not like a lot of natural ltv lift when the acquisition product was a wallet uh and and maybe you know maybe somebody buys an apple watch band maybe somebody buys a phone case maybe, like there is other complementary stuff but it's just like it's not this natural thing where like with magic spoon or with a consumable or something like that it yeah. is a little bit more natural and so i do wonder like if that brand was losing 29 dollars on, sure. on acquisition i yeah i would be like okay well we can't like we can't lose that much because we won't make that up maybe ever right uh and, and th th there's three or four years worth of data like maybe on a 12 month LTV or a 18 month LTV, but it gets a little, uh, there gets to be a little, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of like, uh, unreliability when you're buying against an 18 month customer. Life value. Like, I th think that's a big, that's a big shot. That's like taking a, you know, it's like pulling up from 40 feet. Like maybe you should just get a better shot. You know, and you're not the D one athlete. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that's John, I think that's a great point. It's also where like the other retention strategies come into play. Obviously yeah. for like the microphone company, if they only sell microphones, they're not going to do that. If you know, they lose money every time they sell a new right. microphone. Well, but, I, I suppose my question is, is there a certain sample? Is there like, is that specifically looking at certain kinds of brands like consumables or things like that? Or is that like all e-commerce brands across all Shopify? Yeah, I think it was the average across all Shopify. It might've even been the average across all e-commerce. Uh, but I- Just the, whoever, I, whoever answered the survey type of thing. Yeah, like I know what the newsletter was cause I get it. It's like e-commerce. Um, I'll find it and send it, send it after in case you yeah, like yeah. anything in the show. No, notes. yeah, like we got into this thing where we're intro, but we're like talking, you were on a podcast right now, so we should yeah. probably keep the conversation going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that like that's where, you know, I said earlier, like the Malomo piece is just the the tracking side. It's from the time that you order to mm -hmm. the time that it arrives at your door. And like there's a leaky bucket there that we we um close, of course. But then there's all this other stuff that happens post-purchase and the one that comes to mind which everybody's super familiar with is like a subscription model or figuring out some sort of membership program that keeps customers coming back and buying again so that you make yeah. up that lost uh that lost um revenue in in ltv or in uh, acquisition um and what i find really interesting and it kind of goes to like you know the microphone company is one of the agencies we work really closely with is uh electric marketing brandon amoroso he's um he's kind mm -hmm. of made a name for himself in the space is, is that what partnerships mean that you work with like agencies and yeah great yeah i think that's actually how we got connected because i thought you were still at structured and i was like right. hey we should talk uh, <laughs> i'm like i'm not at structured anymore yeah yeah you should still talk though and it worked out yeah. um but we we uh we were chatting the other day i think we were in uh we were in vegas and he's like dude like every single brand could figure out a subscription model and i think that brands are getting really uh especially like in the shopify ecosystem are getting really um creative about like the kinds of subscriptions that they offer one of the one of the companies he works with like sells outdoor i think it's pools it might be like cold plunges or something like that Right. And they figured out a subscription model for like cleaning the water in the pool. And, you know, that's not crazy, but like, if you were only focused on building pools, like you wouldn't think about that naturally, but it's because we're so, uh, because like we're so top heavy on acquisition costs that brands like pretty much have to figure out a way to bring in additional purchases beyond the first and recurring revenue is obviously like the Holy grail. So I think we're going to see a lot more brands get like super creative probably do some like weird stuff that doesn't work too uh, uh, on, on yeah. figuring out a subscription model. No, it's a good point. And I, we had a conversation earlier that uh, where we didn't necessarily talk about subscription model because I do tend to disagree. And this is, I'll actually, uh, I'll actually cite someone else, Nick Sharma, who's pretty well known yeah. in e-commerce space. He he gave a talk at a geek, uh, geek out event, geek, I think currently now they're called geek X, but he gave a talk yeah. at a geek out event where he talked about like, every brand is chasing the holy grail of subscription like they all want subscription um and he talked about like there's you know there's lean in subscriptions that's like netflix where you're like you're leaning in 
right? Like you're like, what's going on? What's happening? Sure. Uh, and then there's convenient subscriptions where it's like, just ship this thing that I use all the time. Just ship it to me. Like that's like auto shipping your your groceries on Amazon that you you know buy all the time or whatever. Um, and then and but like there are lots of things that like don't actually fit in that like they really like he's like specifically like it's been shown time and time again that clothing subscriptions are really short runs, right? Like people on average stay on three months because they just don't need that many new clothes, right? And so, I mean, if you maybe decrease the frequency, then they would, and it was quarterly, like maybe they'd stay on longer. But yeah, I mean, then you're talking about three quarters in order to hit that same three-month LTV. <clears throat> so yeah. it, would, it would really slow down your unit economics. So I do tend to disagree a little bit and say there are certain products that just don't lend themselves to some kind of subscription. That said, I do think there's some creative ways to extract ongoing value out of out of customers. Um, an example I call out a lot is CrossNet, uh, yeah. which is you know kind of like a backyard game. I mean, yeah. replace with anything, right? Like replace with cornhole if you want. Uh, a big way you can extract value out of customers is to get them using it and posting it on Instagram. Like, you know, cause then they, they essentially you're kind of creating a lot of buzz around your product. That was like, you only had to acquire one customer and, and they might, that might turn into two or three, you know, other customers right. uh, with people who use it with them or whatever. So uh, I think there's other ways to extract value. Um, I also think brands will start to get creative with launching, a, you know, accompanying info products uh like so info products or digital products that that accompany their uh physical product or even like you know media properties on the back right so a brand might launch a podcast and uh and start actually monetizing the podcast because they're they're bringing in customers you know hopefully at break even if they if they can extract a lot of lifetime value right um and then you know then it's like all right well we have already have the mechanism for bringing the eyeballs to us why don't we just launch something um to retain the eyeballs so yeah, I mean that's kind of like my my thought process on it that I, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that brands will start to get creative, uh, but yeah, I mean outside of one question I have for you is yeah outside of you know what people are doing with the post purchase experience and I do think that's super important right but like outside of what people are doing with the post purchase experience because all all the brands that you're working with and have visibility into, you know they're using Malomo they're probably doing a pretty good job on post purchase what are there are some brands that are almost like they're they almost get like cult like you know like people just love them and it was like i mean there's you they're, they're like the dream to work with they'll drop a new product and people will just buy it just because it's a product they dropped you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. they'll have like whole facebook groups dedicated to them um and i almost i there's another signal that's a holy grail when people start reselling your products so like yeah, you yeah, have yeah you have a limited inventory runs of things and then there's a resale value of it where it's going for more on eBay. I, that wallet company, they do that with certain wallets and bags and stuff like that. And yeah. we realized recently like, Oh, there's a little resale market here. Um, that's, that's great. That's a Holy grail. Cause then you'll get people buying like 12 or 15, 20 items on a drop, you know, yeah. um, that's how we know we'll have made it as a podcast. If people start clipping our content and like reacting yeah. to it, we'll be like, right. Oh wow. There's some resellability of this content. Sorry. Or when, or when, or when like you see all the biggest podcasts have like knockoff channels clipping them, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't even own um, Joe Rogan, like experience, like what's spelled with an yeah. A or something. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. When there's, when there's modern, 
commerce or something like that. Modern, <laughs> yeah. modern, modern Kermis. Uh, we've, we've reached the top of the mountain family. at that point. That's when we've made it. That's when we've made it. Uh, but yeah, for brands that have that kind of following, that kind of like yeah. cult, like what are they doing? Like how, how is that happening? Ooh, that's a great question. So um, I'm trying to think of a couple brands that we work with. I actually think, and I just heard him. He was on Nick's podcast, actually. Uh, yeah. The True Classic Tees guy. Like yeah. they, they, um, what they've done, like revenue-wise, is just absolutely absurd. <laughs> I learned a lot from that podcast in terms of like how just how successful they've been, um, and it they do seem like a brand even amongst like people that i know my friends that like yeah. when they drop new clothes like my my buddies cuts is actually very similar like when yeah. cuts has like product releases especially guys i think they have women's line now but especially my guy friends like buy the stuff like when it comes out and so, yeah, built is another one yep 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 built is actually an example we use a lot in uh showing like the the experience that we provide um so those, those are some clothing brands i think that there are some uh food and beverage companies we work with like Mudwater and magic spoon who mm -hmm. when they have new product releases olipop is another one on the soda side when yeah. they have new releases um and i like i know it's such a generic answer but most of them have built some have built community in some way like right. they're not just a brand selling soda. They're like a brand where people can come and interact with like other like-minded people who also like their soda. Um, and I think the biggest like advantage that that provides outside of retention, maybe just as importantly, and it's something you alluded to earlier, John, about like basically affiliate marketing, you know, you've made it when other people are sharing it and getting other people to buy like that retention to acquisition flywheel is like the holy grail of retention because not only are you keeping those customers right like you're literally growing through them uh not just from a revenue standpoint from a new revenue standpoint um one example of that is in the post-purchase we uh if you're a subscriber like we won't promote the subscription program on your order tracking page but we'll definitely report or we'll definitely promote your refer a friend program because you think about it like you're a loyal fan of this brand, you're a subscriber, you have something on the way to your house, you're probably most excited about your brand as you've ever been. Like, let's put that refer a friend program front and center on that tracking page so that you can easily earn money for sending referrals out. Um, and that's been a really effective strategy of like turning retention into acquisition, uh, specifically yeah. on the post purchase. But I think what you talked about earlier goes hand in hand with the whole idea of community where, you know, Friends are bringing their friends in, not just for the brand itself, but because they're offering something beyond that. I, I think, you know, I've had a few conversations on the podcast recently uh, that have, have, have changed my mind about this a little bit. I have always, when it comes to e-commerce, I've always been a very direct response person. I, I'm just a direct response marketer yeah. in general. Yeah. Uh, but I've had some conversations on the podcast recently, as well as like, turning to being a little bit more in-house at a couple brands as well as growing these pod the, the podcast and and the other things that we're growing the other podcast basically that we're growing <laughs> unrelated to this one yeah. uh, it, it, it's made me buy into the idea of brand a little bit more not brand in the way that you know 
a, a, a lay person might think about it where it's like, oh, it's the colors and the font. And like, that's not what I mean when I say brand, I mean, community, you know, and I mean, like when, when I tell, when I say something to you, I don't know if you're too young for this, Noah, but when I say like, you know, yeah, that guy's like the kind of guy who'd wear an affliction t-shirt. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instantly, no, I'm, I'm Hardy. Know. Come on, man. I'm Hardy. <laughs> I'm Hardy T. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or, or whatever, right? Like it's the, the, it's like, what do people say about the people who are into your brand? You know sure. what I mean? Like what kind of people are those? Like, oh yeah, that's like a kind of person who'd eat magic spoon. You know what I mean? And then like the people who are like, yeah, I vibe with that. You know, like that's, that's how I want people to describe me. Um, and that's about way more than eating cereal as an adult. You know what I mean? That's yeah. about way more than wearing a t-shirt that looks good on you. That's about like, uh, uh, in, in many cases, you'll see things like brands that aren't inherently political, a uh, kind of attract a certain kind of political, like, because it's like, these are just like-minded mm. people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, it's just, there's nothing inherently anything about this brand. It's just the kind of people that we bring together and attract, like it creates this sort of life of its own and it's a certain kind of people. And if you're not that kind of person, you could still use the product and enjoy it, but you won't end up being this community member. And there's probably still LTV to be extracted out of those people. I think a lot of brands are afraid of that, right? Cause they're like, Oh, we don't want to alienate anybody. But I'm like, well, when you alienate some people, you really not indoctrinate others. And I think those are the most powerful brands that have just a group of people indoctrinated. Um, that's what we're seeing with like even the podcast and stuff like that. Like people get really baked and it's like, they're just in on anything you do, anything you release, anything you promote, they're in on it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's how some of these brands get. There's another thing you just said, uh, and this ties into brand a little bit too. Uh, all those brands that you held up as an example, think about what they look and feel like on the way in. You know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. true classic makes you laugh on the way in. So yeah. I think a lot of dudes vibe with it because it's like, yeah, they made me laugh to start with. Like before they even sold me anything, they made, they made me it's laugh. Like, right? I, it got, you got value out of this brand before you bought anything. Like if yes. before you bought or you maybe even laugh before you got to their site. Like yeah. you got value out of like that's something I think about in my job as partnerships. Like how can I bring value to our partners before I even before we even work together? Right. And I think that's a great point, John. I honestly haven't thought about that from a merchant perspective. But I love right. It. Well, I mean, you're really focused on the retention side, but all of it, like Olipop, it's, there's definitely a vibe to their ads. And I will, I'll be the first to advise you if you're a DDC brand out there thinking I would love our ads to look like Olipop, just stop. Like <laughs> if they probably won't convert as good as you need them to. I don't know how they're doing for Olipop, but Olipop is a big brand at this point. So they can run that kind of ad. Like, I think it's like all the way in, we're trying to bring in baked customers. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, if they needed to acquire at better unit economics, they would have to do more like UGC, more of those gritty type of ads. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of those, all those brands that you on the way in, you're already a certain type, type of customer. Um, yeah. That's a theory. That's a working theory. Now, don't everybody go out there and start creating super branded ads or spend, you know, fifty thousand dollars on a Harmon Brothers style video or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's it's just a working theory that it's like, oh, they already were kind of bought in, you know, on first purchase, and they're already yeah. part of the community. Yeah, and I think another like what also feeds that is just like the the social media age that we live in, and you know, to your point earlier about a certain kind of people, um, 
I think that because like people like in my age group, like I'm 30 years old, people still my age are like posting the kind of like their favorite cereal. Like people will post on their story. This cereal's so good just because it's like, it's good cereal that they like. Yeah. Um, and if I like that person, I'm going to have a bigger affinity to try that cereal than if I like, if our values align, right? Not maybe yeah. not even if I like them personally, like, but if our values or know them personally, but if our values align, like I'll probably be more inclined to try that cereal than I would be otherwise. And I think that's where like the whole idea of like community comes into play and brand comes into play because, um, without any focus on that, like you're missing out on, on opportunities for sure. There's no question about it. Cool. I want to, I want to move into a little segment. We, we have a few recurring segments and games that we play. Um, we'll do a segment called three tips. This is actually the first time we're doing this one, but we talked about it earlier. So, so, so it should ahead. be flawless by this point. So it should be flawless. Yeah. We're dialed. Uh, we'll give you a second to think about it though. So it's going to be three tips for building community uh, as a, as a brand. Um, and they're going to just be actionable tips. Uh, and we will get to those right after this sponsor. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Monk Commerce. It's a super slick in-car upsell app. So if I want to buy these New Balance trainers I'm trying to get in shape, I add them to my cart. My cart opens up and it says, hey, look, you're only $5 away from free shipping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll add this to my cart since you recommended it. And now I got my free shipping. But hold up. I'm only $38 away from a free gift. So why don't I add a pair of size eight New Balance trainers to my cart for my girlfriend. She's got bigger feet than me. And now look at this. It actually automatically added that free gift straight to my cart for me. That will all be there when I check out. Super nifty app, super slick, super quick way to increase your AOV. Go to monkcommerce.com. Try it free on your store for seven days. All right, we're back. Catching you on the backside of a drink of water or something else. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was hopefully this is water it was water yeah whatever that was they didn't pay for an ad spot so don't tell us what it was um so so let's let's get into this so three tips for building community if you're a brand uh i have i have two do you got one or two so whoever's got two will go first um our case you've got do you have one uh you can have my spot john i'll donate it to all you. right all right, uh, all right. If you have two, go ahead. I'll, I'll just okay. make sure that mine don't overlap because I have two too. So maybe maybe it'll be. Let's, let's, let's play four tips. Let's yeah. play four Whoa. tips. Let's get let's crazy here. Hey, you time know what? You guys, if you guys are both going to put up two, I'll put one into the pot. Let's make a nice round five. Hey, five Love tips. It. We're doing let's five. Let's do tips. this. We're playing five tips. This is the first time five tips has ever been played. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll go first then. Uh, my first tip is focus on a channel and like hire a social and community manager there. Even if you just are hiring someone part-time or internship, I will say one of the biggest breakthroughs that this brand, this wallet brand had was when they hired someone. And it was like a big risk for them. They hired this social media person. Um, and she's kind of actually one of the more like experienced people. And she absolutely blew up their Instagram. And she also like created this like cult group of people who always are seeing their stories on Instagram, always are seeing their posts, know who she is, will like ask, like when she's on vacation, they'll be like, where's, where is Casey at? Like, I don't know where she went. Like they know what's going on at, at Ondar as the brand. Uh, and so like hiring somebody to like actually just do that job of like, just pick a channel. Right. Uh, yep. Obvi, Obvi is a great example of like, they've got a big pop and Facebook group. Um, 
but pick a channel and be like, Hey, focus in on that channel. So that way we just, we know where to send everybody, yeah. right? All those people we've acquired, all those emails we were like, whatever, we know where to send everybody. And Instagram is a good one for it, especially if you're running a lot of meta ads. So that's tip number one, Noah to you for tip number two. Okay. I'm going to, uh, both of mine are kind of related to what you just said. Okay, <laughs> uh, well. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, um, a theme that we talked about earlier, bring value outside of product. So like for us at Malomo, and I know this is really popular for some brands like um, Feastables is a great example. They have a podcast that gets, I don't know. I don't know what their viewership is. I know it's really, I know it's really popular. Just like us at Malomo, we have a pretty popular podcast. You guys have a popular podcast. We're bringing value to our customers to the people that we want to serve, to like-minded people that care about what we're talking about and the problems that we solve before they buy anything. Maybe even before they have an inclination of what Malomo does or what Feastable sells, we're bringing them in, talking about things that they obviously care about. Maybe they were referred by a friend and that's where the community aspect starts to come in. So I think about ways in which you can, um, you can bring value outside of what you're selling on a day-to-day -day basis. Nice. All Crazy. right, I'll follow that up. Uh, just like you said, Noah, you actually kind of got into the one I was going to get into, so I'm audibling here a little bit. <laughs> but I'm going to go with something still kind of similar. I learned this uh, from our other podcast. We've built a lot of that community, giving value up front uh, with giveaways in particular. Um, and one of the things that I found with that is that kind of making an internal language, kind of inside jokes with your customers or the people interacting with you, that goes so far. I mean, people, you get that at face value, but the effect is even greater than you would think. Uh, I remember just one person who happened to win one of our giveaways was named Rose B or is named Rose B still. She hasn't changed her name or anything yet. Uh, she just won a giveaway in the past. Uh, but I made a stupid little joke just saying roast beef. You know, it sounds like Rose B, <laughs> roast beef. And every single time that she's on one of our shows live, she drops, hey, it's roast beef. And anybody who's ever been there at the original time or any time since laughs at that. You know, that, ha, ha, yeah. Rose, you know, super funny. Uh, now Rose is some prankster in our, our community yeah. that we have. She's our like a little community. mini celebrity in Triple Cross. Yeah, so yeah. Create inside jokes. I like it. I like exactly. it. Exactly. Any internal language, I think it doesn't have to be humor, but any internal language, that gets that oven that bakes your, your community super hot and it'll bake people even quicker. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it rolling. Tip number four I've got is uh, have a human face. Uh, so mm. I... I Look, I, a lot of founders had created an e-commerce brand because they didn't want to build a personal brand and that's fine, but there's, there's gotta be some kind of human face. And it, there's a couple, here's a couple tactical examples. We took over the email at one point, we took over the email marketing, uh, for a brand, uh, called uh, diesel power gear, uh, really big brand at one point i think they've kind of shut down their e-commerce side now because they were giving away these trucks and they didn't want to give away the trucks anymore um but like they they had a show on the discovery channel and everything and they used to send these emails that were like from diesel power gear right and they were like these html emails um we started sending a more of a mix of plain text and html emails and we started sending them from diesel dave and they were written in for in like diesel dave voice right and some of them were just copy and they were just diesel dave talking to him it's just like an email from your buddy right um so that's like one way to like put a face with it and people already knew the face because he's on tv like actual discovery channel tv um um, but the same thing I said earlier, like have a person who is on the Instagram, who's like 
showing who they are, that they're a person. We're a person. I'm a person who works here at this company, right? Or I work here at my house. We're all remote, right? Like give, give your brand an actual human person personality. Uh, and like, you know, whether it's via a podcast or a YouTube channel or on Instagram or in your emails, just across the board, really. Um, it can even be multiple human personalities, right? It's okay for people to know that more than one person work at the company. Uh, but I, people just relate to humans a lot more than they relate to brand name, yeah. right? Like they don't know who that is. Right. I love that one. I love the example too of like plain text emails being more effective because I think that people spend a ton of time focused on email creative and it might not even be. Yeah. Like just not only an email from their buddy Diesel Dave and they'll yeah. buy that stuff. I mean, I would respond to Diesel Dave. Can yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. Get he's on this cool. list. Feels like your buddy, you know. Uh, awesome. Um, okay, last one. This is we also talked about this, but I would say have a loyalty program. Um, and the reason for that is like you can't. It's it's hard to incentivize like behavior outside or or an affiliate program but like some way to bring value to your your true fans um that makes it really easy for them to get other people into the community so this one's more about like building and growing the community but once you have customers make it really easy for them to invite their friends and if you can incentivize them to do that as well uh, all the better and i think that i don't have any stats off the top of my head um but uh, i would imagine that that goes a long way in building community as well I think, yeah. And, and I would, I'll echo that and I'll add one little piece and say like, and make it really easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like, of course they get their affiliate link, they do all that. But like when they're having a conversation with a friend and the friend is like, Hey, you look good. Like, what have you been doing to lose weight? And it's like, well, like I've changed my diet up a little bit. I eat these things. Right. Like make it really easy for them to be like, Oh yeah, just go like use, I have a pro, they sent me a promo code. It's just my name. If you use the promo code that, then you get 20% off, right? Yep. Um, or not that, whatever it is, right? Whatever's going to be natural to them. I would actually survey your customers and say, hey, what would make it easier for you, right? Especially if you've done these other things to build community, they'll tell you, they'll tell you exactly how to make it easier for them to like, hey, that's a super cool wallet. Where did you get it? Oh, I got it, you know, here. Like maybe you make them their own little vanity URL. Like I got it at johndar.com instead of ondar.com. Ooh, know? I like that. <laughs> That's my new nickname, John Dar. It's cool. Sounds very uh, Star Warsy, which I know is a universe you're a fan of. And and well, Andor is a yeah. I mean, I know okay. why you went. Well, I know why. Well, you he went almost there. went down a rabbit hole. All right, all right. It's, also, why you it's also on theme with the podcast Modcom. So yeah, you know, we're just abbreviating the first two names. It's fine. That's yeah, good for sure. Good point. Sure. All right, I have one burning question for you, Noah. You know, I'm I'm kind of the background producer a lot of times, especially early on in the show. I'm kind of just hanging out, not talking a ton, making sure things are going smooth behind the scenes. Uh, but whenever I have a really important question, I just have to ask it. Uh, talking about Malomo, um, let's back up here. Talking about Malomo, you know, I think it's a really important thing. You kind of hijacked the the transactionalness, uh, transactional nature of e-commerce buying, and really put that kind of back in the hands of the marketers and to some degree to, to make some, some revenue out of it. Uh, my burning question is this. Is the Malomo 
logo a butterfly and is that some kind of metaphor about like a metamorphosis of your business and sprouting wings and soaring to dude, new heights or is it just a blob i don't like <laughs> if it's not dude, that was a great pitch you should just say that's what it is if it's not that yeah it's 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 you know it's in the eye of the beholder i think but, um, <laughs> okay all right very political uh, answer you just gave i yeah. think I think Malomo is actually a type of butterfly. This is a butterfly, Repre oh. representation of a butterfly. But uh, I haven't gotten this question for a while. Uh, Yao's, our CEO's mom, had a soap business. She mm. passed away from cancer while she was uh, while he was building Malomo. I think like early days, and but before they had a name for it. So he, he like dedicated it to his mom, but also the play on like a beautiful experience sort of thing. Mm, yeah butterfly oh, fly, beautiful okay. all right hey you turned you turned a, what could have been a really sad answer into just a, a really nice beautiful <laughs> answer i really appreciate that um okay one one more quick one just because because that went pretty quick we talked a lot about cereal i gotta know how much milk do you put in your cereal Ooh, are you like yeah. way above like milk to the top do you go like kind of milk just like middle or like yeah, i don't yeah. even want to see the milk it stays below the cereal i would um basically eating it dry yeah yes like, where are you at same you're basically You're eating, eating dry, dry cereal. Eat it, a tiny little bit, bit. I I very rarely eat cereal, but I have a weirder. Well, Casey, actually, where are you at first before I ask my question? Related. Fair enough. We'll go around the horn a little. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm medium, but my weirdness is like I'll let it sit for a minute. I, I don't. Oh, okay. oh, like I don't need insane crunchiness. You know, like Captain Crunch or something that that will destroy your mouth. You know, you <laughs> yeah. gotta let cereal like gotta give it a hot second give it a nice 60 second let it <laughs> let it sit you know uh i like it not not soggy but a little softer than out of the box yeah that's really john like john it. did you let's give you a second to i like it. i would like a little bit of cereal with my milk <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm like one of those grown men who will drink who will drink just milk like but oh. but really it's it always chases something i won't just go to the fridge and get milk it's like if i had something with peanut butter or chocolate or something like that i'll but but the, it's disproportionate i'll eat like two m m's and then drink like 16 ounces of milk just down the hatch um <laughs> so yeah that that's pretty much how i roll with cereal it's like a little bit of cereal mostly milk and then i eat the two bites of cereal and then just drain the whole bowl of milk some people say you can't trust a person like me and i was just know, gonna say it's valid it's valid you just said that you're a grown man who drinks milk thank god you're not a cat guy because yeah man, i mean it would be, be yeah <laughs> i don't think i want to be friends with you anymore <laughs> yeah uh yeah. okay but i heard i heard another serial related question that i didn't even know was a question on a podcast yesterday um do you <laughs> I think I know the answer, but I'm just flabbergasted by the question. Do you pour the cereal in first or the milk? Mm. Okay. All right. First of all, if we have different answers on this, somebody's yeah. not an American. All right. Which is fine. But like, it's just, there's a way to do things and then there's a way not to do things. And I am firmly in the camp of you better be pouring your cereal in. Okay. Kind of like, otherwise you're just asking for like I, pouring milk into an yeah. empty bowl. Yeah. That's playing with fire. Right. What That's you, before you even dump the cereal in, which is going to go everywhere. Especially if you have like uh, we buy milk by the gallon whenever we buy it, and if you like a full, if you crack that seal, I mean, good luck finding that sweet spot. It just uh, uh, oh, it's everywhere. So you got to go for your own good. You got to go cereal first. That's my yeah. opinion on it. Who wants? Are you in that? It? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I. I will agree with that. I have heard people say that they'll put the milk in 
and then they'll they just put like a little bit of cereal in at a time and eat it because they like it really crunchy but i still think they're a weird like a crazy person interesting because i'm like well then your milk never gets the cereal in it you know like you never like if you were eating you know fruit loops you never get fruit loop milk if you do it that way which is just it's a bummer you that's know? like the that's like the extreme end of the crunchy cereal community that you're a part of John. yeah they're yeah. hardcore like they're no i i put the cereal in first you put the cereal in first noah of course yeah okay, again, there's was, only one right answer then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. feel bad <laughs> maybe somebody was going to answer a different way and then i made them feel weird about that so that, yeah you know, no, no, of course i put the cereal in you know so. that's, <laughs> also, that's, all I do. that's also the cat person who drinks milk raw with nothing yeah else. I, yeah. I would give my cats some milk and I drink some milk myself, you know? Yeah. Bathing bathing cats with their tongues. <laughs> the cats do. My human tongue. All right. I think we've officially <laughs> beaten that horse in the afterlife. Uh, I like how you said uh, you said you only you buy milk by the gallon. I'm like, I buy milk by the multiple gallons. <laughs> I'm just saying it's easier to do the pour. If you got one of the little like carton yeah, yeah, guys, sure. But yeah. with that, that, that those gallons are monsters, man. Yeah. No, you gotta be strong. You know, I remember when I was a kid and you just like lean it yeah. into there and you're like, oh, I yeah. hope it doesn't spill. <laughs> you ever do oh. the thing where you, you pour, you put the, the lip onto the lip of the cup and then inevitably you end up knocking the cup down because you put way too much pressure on that. Nobody understands gravity when you're like eight years old. That happens to yeah. everybody. Yep. Yeah. My <laughs> kids are getting that age now. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that was a good, fun little sidetrack. Um, <laughs> should we move into the parting shot? I believe we yeah. should, John. TMI. Right. Noah, if you have watched, if you've listened to some episodes before all the way through, then you'll know at the end, uh, we do a parting shot. The parting shot is like the TLDR. It's like the soundbite, the clip, the thing that like, Hey, if you, you know, take something out of this episode, I mean, this one was a weird one. <laughs> you take someone, something out of this episode. Uh, if you, if you really kind of like take something away and learn something, uh, it's this, I'll give you a whack at it, and then if you don't do it, you'll know if you don't do a good job because then I'll jump in and do it. Okay. So no pressure. Wow. Nice. I, I, I know what it is. Um, no data behind this. I could I could go into that. If you listen to the rest of the episode, you'll hear it. But simply put, don't acquire customers if you don't have a plan to keep them coming back. That was wow. it. There you go. Sure. No, I don't need to. Sweet. I don't need to do another one. Also, if you drink milk and you're grown, <laughs> you're untrustworthy. <laughs> You're not coming on this podcast. <laughs> you didn't have to watch this podcast or to know that. Come, come on the podcast and defend yourself. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'll be on your side if you're a milk drinker, but not if you're a cat person. The ModCom Milk Challenge. Take all challengers. All right, Modern Commerce, thank you for joining us today. Noah, thank you for being our guest. We had a wonderful time. John, thanks for leading this interview. Guys, if you enjoyed this uh, interview with Noah. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure you drop a like down below on the video. Also remember to subscribe to our channel. That helps us out a ton. Uh, if you are listening after the fact on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anything like that, make sure to rate and review us. John, did I miss anything? Is that all of it? Do You got the rate and review stuff. That's usually my line. So I think you got it all, dude. All right, Modern Commerce. We will see you next time. Noah, thanks again. Everybody. Thanks,